get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Well, able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. We're back uh, a little later than our, what, I was going to say 10 o'clock again. Our 7 o'clock start time. Some, uh, <laughs> some technical Not my fault. Yeah, not not Jason's fault. Not my time. fault. My, my fault. Time-ish. Uh, but we, we made it, and uh, we're working a semi-post-game show. It's a little bit of a post-game show. It counts, right? We're live yeah. a couple hours after a game. But at the same I'm, time, I'm gonna count it. Yeah, what, like an hour and a half. Yeah, but, came into so, so just uh, whenever we normally did a post game show, the normal time, we'd, yeah, the normal time we'd go live after a game, an hour and a half, <laughs> where everybody's forgotten about it and gone to bed or, or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, pretty typical. But yeah, we're we're here after the Ducks lost three two in overtime to the Florida Panthers. John Gibson, what was it, fifty two saves on the night? I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, fifty two. Is that a career high? I didn't check. Uh, I know it was a season no, high shots it's against. Because he's done like 51 before. He's done. Like, right, I don't know if he's gotten 52. Let me go to hockey reference. Ooh. Yeah, we'll, uh, that would be a great time to do it. Yeah, right now. While we start the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, just, uh, there's, two of, there's three of us now. I can do this exactly. while you two have a conversation. Um, in, oh, yeah. in summary, we are we got to recap a few games. Uh, Ducks lost 6-1 to Edmonton, 4-2 to Calgary. 5-3 win over Philly and a 5-2 loss to Carolina since we last hopped on the podcast. So a 1-3-1 uh, one, one, one record? Yeah, 1-3-1 one, one record. Mm. They're now 29-33-13, and 13, six in the Pacific Division with, what is it, uh, seven games left, I think? Just a, a handful. Couple. Well, I said they have, the, they have Tampa. No, I don't think they even have that many. They have Tampa, then they're home. Against Columbus on Sunday. So it's Tampa Thursday, Columbus on Sunday. And then there's a couple games against the Kings. I think one against the Sharks and then the Stars. So I think it's six or seven games. Yeah. I might be missing one. Because there's two home and then two two on the road. Yeah. And then we have two more. I think St. Louis is in there as well. Because I I think Getzlaff's last either home game or road game is against St. Louis. So I think there's seven. I think there's seven games remaining. now. I could easily probably just add up how how many games they've played. Uh, It's all right. But, just uh, let Stephen look it up. Yeah, we'll let, We're not podcasting or anything. Yeah, exactly. So Steven, and there's three of us. This can be Stephen's uh, <laughs> game. But we're not here to talk about how bad the Ducks have been recently. There actually have been some uh, important things, uh, important news that's broken. Uh, the biggest of which is Ryan Getzlaff announcing he's going to retire at the end of the season. So I, I imagine that's going to cover uh, the majority of the show today. We also have the Ducks uh, officially picking up the fourth year option in Dallas Aiken's contract. So he will be back next year. Not overly surprising, but we were already going to kind of earmark part of our discussion for today about uh, who could replace Dallas Akins and if he'd be back next year. Well, now we have the answer, so we'll yeah. we'll take a look at what uh, what that means, if it was the right decision, what that decision kind of means from uh, Pat Verbeek's perspective, uh, and dive into that a little bit. Uh, and if we have time, we'll uh, we've been having an internal heart trophy discussion in uh, in our group chat over the last couple of days, so. 
uh steven and i were were chatting about that earlier today if we got time that's a that's a nice way to put it yeah discussion (laughs) i started i think call it what it is an argument uh drag out war i don't know i think either steven started (laughs) that conversation or i started it and then i dipped and i left steven to just (laughs) yeah Yeah, you dragged me into the fucking conversation you're like steven has yossi ahead of him and then he fucking ran away and pat just yells at me for three hours and it was like 10 Ten, ten minutes so went by, stupid. and I tried to I tried to come back to the conversation. It was already too too much scrolling to get back. All oh, dude! Yeah, yeah, like, go, yeah. Go, like all this, like, what did they talk about? I don't care anymore. I'm done. Yeah. Like at that point, it's just like walking in the Donald Glover walking into the room with on fire with the pizza. That's just like that's what it is at that point. Or, or it's the gif of uh, uh, Grandpa Simpson coming in, like, oh, nope, I'm out. <laughs> just yeah. like turn right. <laughs> all right guys we get we got to get into the big one um <laughs> ryan gets announcing his retirement uh we steven the last podcast i think we briefly touched on this it wasn't about if he would retire but we we're i think we were projecting lineups a little bit um and we talked about when would be the right time and, and it felt like if he was going to pick any year, like this year just kind of made sense with McTavish on the way next year and a lot of other younger players coming up. And of course, a few days later it, it gets announced. What are you, what were your guys' initial thoughts? Were you surprised? I mean, obviously we're all kind of a little upset to see it come to an end, but were you guys surprised that he chose to retire at the end of this year? Nah, nah, it kind of made sense. It was either going to be this year or next year. Um, and, you know, he, he didn't want to go anywhere else. But if the Ducks, I, I'm quite frankly surprised he even kind of let it on this year. He started off so good. But then once he started getting injured, then it kind of felt like, all right, is he, is he, is he going to keep going with this? Because the injuries just linger. They get worse. They don't, you know, it's harder to come back from that. And then in the off season, are you really going to get up, really going to do all the things you got to do? at top level and hope you don't get injured at 38 for the rest of the season and even then is it even going to make it to the playoffs at that point you just kind of go like all right body saying no i just don't want my production to drop off so bad everyone says dude get get over there get over there you, you, you had your run you can go so he had a great season had some injuries and you know kudos on him for just kind of going like all right i'm just gonna say it now not coming back goodbye everybody and have left yeah um i think for me so i say, think like heading into, this, heading into the season <laughs> i think it we all kind of accepted that it was a possibility um and he started off so hot this year that i think it was really easy to kind of uh, for me, at least, I guess I'll just give myself. Like it was really easy for me to just kind of push that to the back a little bit and be like, "Damn, look how good he is!" Like the whole time, I'm like, "We don't know if he's going to look this good again next year," but but it was still like the expectation of him playing next year and and being able to fill that role. Um, and so to hear him announce it like isn't isn't surprising to me, right? Like because it's something that we all kind of knew was getting close. Like again, it's the 17th season. Like he's not he's not a rookie. Um, we've seen his his counting stats kind of decrease his ability to in, affect a game for the full sixty minutes is you know obviously diminished and stuff like that. But I I think what I was definitely surprised by was 
him saying he knew in the summer. That, I think, surprised me. Um, but like Jason said, it's, it's you know, and, and Getsy said it, and I'm watching, like, every time he talks to somebody now. Uh, he, uh, you know, he said, he was like, I, I, I always said I wanted to leave, walk away from the game before my body made me walk away from the game. And, you know, to see him do that and to have the season that he's had and be great. And, you know, he's got records and all that stuff for the for the team. And it's awesome. Um, I think, it, uh, you know, somebody online made the comment about, like, wish we got a full season farewell tour for him. Mm-hmm. And that's just not who he is, man. Like, that's just, he's not, he wouldn't do that. Was it coach? You know what I mean? Huh? Was it coach? Coach, yeah. coach wanted that farewell. Yeah, yeah, no? he's yeah, definitely right. at the that top of the list it. of. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but like you know, because that would have just like that would have made the whole season about him and Getsy never would have wanted that. But I also realized a little after the fact that by announcing it towards the end of the season, we do still get this, you know, three four week window where we do get to appreciate him while he's still playing, kind of give him his roses before he's out the door. So yeah, you get the the send off um, home game too, right? Which is going to be a pretty big one. Yeah. Uh, one, I'm sure, if people didn't have tickets already, they're they're definitely scrambling to get some tickets to that game. I would imagine, despite it meaning nothing in the standings and the Ducks already being eliminated from the playoffs, that one, if any game was going to sell out to the end of the year, it's probably going to be that one, Those just two. to just to send him off. But yeah, like like the timing, I think makes sense. You mentioned Stephen, like he hit the records he wanted to hit, got to a thousand points, he got to you know all the Ducks franchise records that he could you know were, were was it within reach of actually hitting. He's really done it all, and then I think the writing is on the wall for you know players next year to step in and, and take that next step. Like guys like McTavish, we've already talked about, and some of the other younger players to um, kind of move up in the lineup. And he's always said like he doesn't want to be blocking guys from moving up in the lineup if he's not contributing, and he doesn't want to stick around and not play an important role with this team. Which I feel like you know you stay an extra year longer. I think that was eventually going to happen. And and plus some of the injuries he's dealt with. Like again, Stephen, you mentioned like the the fact that he doesn't want to get to a point where his body tells him he can't play and he's dealt with a few injuries this year and you know, whether it was a decision that he was ninety nine percent sure in the summer and he just wanted to see how things went this year and with some of the injuries he had and the way the Ducks roster is kind of developing, like it just timing wise, it, it it's I think it's the right year to hang it up in and let things go. He had a good year, like a great year to kind of finish your career on. He was an important member of this team. He was, you know, one of the best players when he was healthy. And it just kind of makes sense for him to hang it up this way than to go out, you know, you know, in in just a, a disappointing way, right? You know, if he comes back next year, plays 15 games, gets injured for the rest of the year, we don't see him, and, and then that's it, and then he hangs him up. Like, that's a tough way to see a guy go out, especially a guy who means as much to the franchise as, as Ryan Getzlaff does. So for me personally, I'm I'm happy to see him go out this way, the season that he had, the impact that he's cl- clearly had on some of these younger guys, and for, for them to even get a couple seasons um, under him as the captain, I think is, you know, we've seen the quotes here and there about some of the things that Zegers and Drysdale do that Ryan Getzlaff has taught them, but those are the little things that, you know, you don't see show up on the stat sheet, things that, we'll notice down the road were important for having him around to, to kind of mentor this next wave of young players. Yeah. There were three things that I kind of found interesting. One was uh, one that um, he called Troy Terry earlier in the season, you know, his best friend. 
Um, and then Troy Terry has gone on uh, after today's game to have 33 goals this season. I think like that's that's helpful. Like, all right, there's a there's a transition. I mean, we don't get a lot of 30 goal scores in the last four seasons. So to have one, have Trevor Zegers coming up in that way, but to be able to kind of mentor that and and that that beginning part, at least those three players with uh, uh, Terry uh, uh, Zegers and Drysdale, just kind of getting at least that last little bit of knowledge and leadership will kind of move forward. And then the other thing that I kind of kind of made me see heading down or, or getting closer was that he was willing to open himself up for a trade at the trade deadline last year. And then afterwards, he's like, you know, I really didn't have any want to go anywhere, but I wanted to see the process. I wanted to learn how that feels or how it goes. And then at the end of this, uh, you know, when he announces retirement, he's like, you know, I want to move forward with the Ducks, maybe in a management position. You know, that's maybe the next uh, you know, phase of my life or my career is to see how I can help this franchise. And he learned a little bit just to go on that. And he kind of even mentioned that. He's just like, I just want to see that process and what it feels like so that, you know, moving forward, I kind of know what players might be going through. That's what I gathered last season at the trade deadline versus this year and his retirement. So it, it just feels like he's not done out of the NHL. So we'll still probably see him. And he's got no reason to ever want to leave Southern California. So I, I just assume it's just a, a transition. We'll still see gets left forever. So <laughs> as long as we can. I think it's a, a shoe in that uh, that slot in the lineup is filled by Mason McTavish right now, or at least he has the highest chance of probably filling in that spot next year. Mm-hmm. I would say him I, I and Rick's still around. I, I think it, it, I, for me, it depends on what you mean by that spot. Top top if six, just like center. Someone. So Zegers number one center. Who's coming in at number two, right? If if Henry, if Getzlaff was that guy oh, this year. So that's you know for me like uh, so this was something I've been thinking about, and like I don't care what the lineup card says or what the time on ice lit, like numbers say. For the last ten years, the first line for the Anaheim Ducks has been the line that Getzlaff is on. It didn't matter. It, it it did not matter who was on his wing. No, he was still their number one center this year. It does at the at, like he's earned that right over his career. He assumed that role early on in his career. Like you know, for a long time, it was like that's the line Paul Korea is on. That's the line Korea and Solani are on. Um, but you know, for the last like ten years, it has been Getzloff is the first line. And one of the things that's interesting about this to me has been also just look like now what happens, right, with the team that he steps away. And I feel like now what we're going to get at this point is whatever pair Cam Fowler's on is the top pair now. Like he could play five minutes a game less than whoever else. But like even if they trade, right, trade for Jacob Chickman right now, Chickman's the number one defenseman. Like he's a number one defenseman. Cam Fowler is the guy on the top pair period every time. You're talking about Getzloff, but you're talking about the top defenseman. Yeah, I'm. I mean, kind of just like a role, like what he means to the team. Oh, like, like leadership. Oh, leadership. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. And sorry. yeah, sorry. And just like <laughs> you know, the the way in which like the lineup kind of like reflects his status, because like he doesn't look like Silverberg's going to play another game this season, which means by the end of this season, Cam Fowler will be 200 games clear of the next closest guy. 
for active players. And that's Jacob Silverberg, who's got 600 games. And Cam has 800. Like, it is Cam and everybody else now. Like, I cannot stress enough, I think, how much these next two or three years are probably ultimately going to be the most meaningful of Cam Fowler's career. Because it'll be, he's the guy now who's going to be that transition leader. Um, you know, he's going to, he's going to have guys like, you know, uh, Adam Henrique is going to be there to help out. John Gibson, you know, hopefully is there to help out. Like, there's going to be older veteran players and stuff. I'm sure Pat Verbeek is going to go add some guys, even from outside of the, you know, the Ducks. But at the end of the day, like, I think we all kind of expect Cam to be the next captain. And I think... Um, the, the way in which now he is in charge of that locker room is going to be really interesting. Um, you know, like, I know this kind of started because, Eddie, you were asking about the, the kind of the on-ice role, but I think for me, like, the off-ice stuff is more important because I do think, to your point, right, and to what Jay was saying earlier, you look at it and you go, Trevor Zegers, that's our number one center, more, more than likely, that's our number one center for the next 10 years. Then you look up the roster or you look at the, you know, the prospect list, whatever you go, okay, Mason McTavish, that's the guy. He's probably going to step in. He's our number two. And if for some reason they move Zegers to the wing, Mason McTavish is the guy who's going to move up, right? Short of like a Bedard or a right, maybe the expectation at that point would be McTavish steps into that role. So like there, there's a very clear succession plan as far as that role. You have Isaac Lundestrom, who's clearly, like, I think at this point, Isaac Lundestrom is on track to be Adam Henrique, maybe, right? Like, if he kind of turns into that kind of a player, can play all three spots. But I think the off-ice stuff and how much it has meant to the organization from a stability standpoint, that Getzloff has been the center of that team for 10 years is huge, especially now with Pat Verbeek coming in, who has no attachment to this franchise. You know, it's good that, like, Scotty's stepping in. Um, Timu and Korea seem to be like they're going to be around, whatever. And I apologize, I'll stop monopolizing all the time, but I just think... Dear Lord, thank you. It's, <laughs> it's insane to me to just think about how much is going to be on Cam's shoulders, because there's so much that's different now in this organization when July 1 hits. It's a whole new game. I just don't think it'll matter to Cam. I mean, that's that's every time there's a little bit of a, a transition. I mean, I, I will downgrade it as a little transition because Getzlaw's been that face of the franchise and leader on and off the ice. Uh, but Cam's been able to not only be under the wing of uh, Scotty Niedermeyer, but also under Getzloff too. So, I mean, he's he's been around, he's seen it, and he knows kind of what to do on it. But, you know, I mean, at that point, it's just whoever is the next one is probably the next one. I also agree. It's probably going to be Cam Fowler. Um, if not, it could be Henrique or there could be nobody. Um, but I can't imagine that with Dallas Aikens coming back next season and has high praise for the way Cam Fowler has played, especially earlier in the season when he was touting him, um, that he doesn't get to see there. Cause I, I don't feel like Dallas Aikens is going to like, Oh, we're going to do it by committee. He's going to go like, listen, we had we had a rock as a uh, you know the the captain and leadership, but we got a guy who can not only show it on the ice, but is that not necessarily older core, but like guy is going to be here for a while or should be here for a while, 
and he deserves it as well. So do do mm-hmm. we think then? I mean, Cam Cam seems like the obvious choice and the likely choice. I can't see anybody else um, having a real legitimate shot at being named the next captain. Henrik, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like, but again, like. If we were, was Bob Murray still there? Yeah. Now, if you but... break it down, like like <laughs> I I don't want to break it down by percentage. I, I I think Fowler is is way up here in terms. Of, but I think Henry. Like if you're gonna if you gotta pick other people, I think Henrik. I think guys who've mm-hmm. wore the A before, Silverberg, uh, very outside chance to, to Trevor Zegers. I don't think he's ready. I don't think he should get it. Uh, but I think those are like outside. Shattenkirk, yeah, maybe. like they're they're outside guys. You could argue, but uh, like it's camp. Like the the real interesting thing for me is is it next year? Is it right after Getzlaff retires? Mm-hmm. I th- I feel like they're gonna go no captain next year, and the year after maybe go Fowler. But I could like I could, I could still see them. Whose choice is it? Is it is it the coaches or is it management? I think it's both. I think it's a management. It's and it's choice. between yeah. It's between like management and coaching and. The- Players I just feel, is I how feel, I, uh, gets he got it. Sorry. No, 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 no sorry, I'm interrupting. But no, I just feel like if it's Aiken's choice or Eakin's choice, he's going to go foul. I don't know who I have. I haven't seen him enough. You know, let's play this out. Then I'm a no captain, see who's going to win it type of deal. But I feel like if it's given to the coach for next year, then I, I think he probably puts that on Cam Fowler because he's high and mighty on Cam Fowler. I yeah. think. That's cool. I, I just wonder if they want to buff him. To be honest, right? I would say. <laughs> Um, so I was going to say, I would say, I, I, at this point, I would almost say that, you know, what New York is doing this year, where it's a committee of alternates instead of a flat captain, is more likely than is, like, second behind Cam. Like, if you ask me right now to, like, I would say Cam is the likeliest to be captain. After that, the second likeliest option is no captain. And then third is Henrique, and that's less than 15% yeah, chance. I can see that. Now, now, do they also maybe do it like, hey, we'll do no captain because we don't know who's going to be our captain. The You know, like we go through this next year. And then, like, Troy Terry. I mean, Troy Terry can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Troy Terry. I don't know. Does, does he show captain? I, I've heard a lot captain of people Trace? saying it in, in the sense that he just – and it's not like – it's, it's, it's yeah, he's a quiet, well-spoken guy, and I feel like that's why. Like, there was a few interviews he had earlier in the year. People were like, oh, I could like Captain Terry. Like, I, he looks like Captain Material based off kind of some of the answers he had and the way he handles himself in interviews. Which, sure, like, yeah. I understand that's that's a very small part of the job, but it's it's tough for me to like. If Cam wasn't there, then I I think he he could potentially be like. But does that make it more of a let's space it out? Because if we give it to Cam, then Cam gets it the next year, and Cam gets it probably the next year, and then the next year is like, yeah. but is Troy Terry more of that person? If we give it a gap, and we don't necessarily give it to somebody, then if Troy Terry has another thirty-five goal season, we kind of may and maybe he kind of grows in that leadership role a little bit. You maybe give it to him, even though he's younger. Uh, but then again, it's a slap in the face to uh, Cam Fowler. I, I think. If, I think yeah. if there was any any thought to that, like I'm, I I, I, I don't know for sure. I'm just speculating. Overthinking here, but, it. But, no, I, I just feel like, like if there was a thought that that he would be the next to succeed, Ryan Getzlaff as the next captain, that that conversation's been had at some point, whether it's with him internally or or just kind of with the coaching staff and management. Um, and and he kind of knows the expectations going with that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I definitely could be. Um, 
but I, I would I would assume that like I, I don't think he'd be shocked or disappointed. Like he's been a part of the leadership group for this is for you know the, how many years has he been in A? At it, least it, the last... he'd be an alternate too. Right? Yeah, like I, I I don't think it's a it's a slap in the face if he doesn't get it. Um, I I I think they end up going with with none for next year. I think you need that buffer between you know Getzlaff being the the captain for as long as we can remember. Fred, yeah. It, it's not just maybe you know, you're you're either. you're kind of buffer captain, which we were like. I'm not listen. This isn't to be mean to Camp Valley, but if Camp Valley gets named captain, it's for five six years, and then somebody else is likely going to take over, right? So it's not. It's you're you're coming off like a franchise captain, like you said, like a guy who has been the captain for an entire generation yeah. of players, Ten years. essentially, or right? twelve years. Yeah, so it, it's it's. <laughs> right. It's tough to go off that and just okay, okay. Camp Valley's captain. I can see it. I don't think it, it's the worst move if they do it. I feel, I just personally feel like I think you need that buffer year just to say okay, like we're gonna have you know four A's and even if you give Terry. Let's an a. let's refigure out our 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 identity. Yeah. Like Getzlaff, kind of even though we maybe didn't play it, he was the identity. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you thought about the dice, you thought about all right, Getzlaff's the captain. He's gonna hard nose. This is how it's going to play and you got the ducks even though we didn't necessarily play that you still have that mindset and so when he's gone to just immediately go to somebody who's probably not that like cap fowler's not that and nobody else on our team is going to be that um maybe you have that grace period where you get one more season where no one's really there and you figure out who the hell you are as a team and then out of that, the following season, you find who's going to lead that group of yeah. people. I think it'd be cool to run in with four four alternates next year and have Fowler, Henrik, Silverberg. And if you want to throw that fourth one to Troy Terry and, and you feel like he's ready to kind of up that responsibility to... You know, I think he's more ready than Zegers. I, I, I would think so. Um, I, I don't have anything in terms of their locker room uh, ability to lead or whatever. I don't have anything to back that up. I, I just feel like... You know his demeanor and the way he kind of goes about himself. He he is a quiet leader and a lead by example type guy, which you know is a little eerily kind of commendable, yeah, similar to Ryan Getzlaff in a sense, uh, in in the way he conducts himself as, as a captain. Um, and at least just to get a look at him in a leadership role, right? Like if you think he could be the top candidate of the young guys to be the captain of the future, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to if you think he's ready for it to give him the alternate and be a part of that leadership group with. You know, three of the guys who've been around this organization for the last few years in Cam Fowler, Silverberg, and Henrique, it's not the worst, I think, environment to put him in to, to make him part of that leadership group if you think he's ready. Kind of reminds me of Chicago where you get Taves, Troy Terry, and your Patrick Kane is your Zegris. It's like you get Captain Sirius, and then you get Zegris going around doing everything, that sort of deal. But I find it hard to not down the road make zegris at that point right so that's where you kind of your drawback is like do you do terry as your captain and it's really going to be hard from that point forward to strip it away and then try and give it to zegris yeah. or do you just don't think zegris is that leadership quality just depends yeah i think it's it's too early to tell for for him right and uh, I, I think that comes into the decision as well uh, in a sense is what are your future plans after this because you're you are you might maybe not want to treat it like this, but the the realistic side of it is, is this is almost a temporary captain. It it sounds bad, but it is like a a buffer zone. Well, it sounds bad because of the way you said it. It's not. <laughs> that's it's temporary, I mean, I mean, kid. Not, 
throwing you a shit yeah, for like, a couple I mean, years, but like you're basically just like I mean, brown in it. It doesn't matter, but we have to give it to somebody. Like that's I don't think that's the case. I think that again, like I expect Cam Fowler to be the next captain, and I think if so, like the idea of like a gap year, basically, like I think there's a lot of there's a lot of merit to that in a lot of what you guys are saying. But like I said, I think this is an, a, a crazy time for this franchise. Again, like the same year that they lost the dude who had been in charge for 15 years and was was the hockey operation. Like it was him for 15 years. He was brought in by the guy who had the job before him and was with him the entire time there. Now... Of Pat Verbeek, very different player, very clearly uh, a different type of aesthetic or style that he's looking for uh, with his teams. Um, you know, uh, based on the moves he's seen, he seems to have a different managerial style, a different idea about how to manage a roster, how to manage assets and things. You know, I don't think you can just look at that and go, you're the guy that we're holding everything together around because he's not going to be here in another year. Like, I just don't think they're going to give him another job. We can get to him. You know what I mean? Like we, I don't think he's getting another contract. I don't think that you can build this whole thing around Akins. Someone like Cam, who has literally been in the organization since he was 18. Everything I've ever heard about Cam is that he's a sweetheart. I've said it a thousand times. The person that Cam Fowler seems to be is someone I absolutely adore. I have a, a great affinity for him. So like me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but like, I just think, <laughs> I think there's every reason to allow him to step into that role. And again, I, I think if you're like, I mean, look, it's yours until we give it to Zegers or Terry. Like, yeah, that fucking sucks. I'd feel annoyed at that. But if you're just like, can we, we need like fucking, we need you, dude. Like, we need you to be a big part of this moving forward. Like, you're really the only guy we can do this with because those kids aren't ready. And as far as Terry, I, I see it as far as like what people are talking about in the interviews, even in the plays, right? Like late in games, we've seen him at the very least try to exert his will on a game, right? We've seen him hard backtrack, going for aggressive stick lifts, trying to go the other direction. And we've seen that. So I think that part of it is there. I think his ability to be thoughtful um, and measured in his comments so far is a thing. But I don't want him with a letter next year because – it's the last year of his contract, and he, this year is the the breakout year. I don't want him worrying about leadership responsibility and about following up this year at the same time. That, to me, is not something I'm interested in. I would rather them all grow. And I fully expect Zegers to be the guy after that. And I think the story, Eddie, you alluded to earlier, that Friedman had in the uh, 32 Thoughts, where I guess at the end of every period or game, if there was somebody training room gets he would go to them first and see how they were doing after this game trevor uh Zergis and jim Dreesdale walked in and went to talk to troy terry to check on him before anything else you know so it shows that these are again part of that i think is the fact that jamie jimmy Dreesdale is like literally attached at the hip to Zergis. but the other part of it is you know these are guys who, who clearly want to be meaningful players in this organization and are, are even taking the steps early on to kind of learn that right like 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 attitude era level promos. The Beagle one was fantastic. The one the other, uh, he had the little intermission interview was great. He, he's got it. And compared to him, that I think is going to be an especially valuation moving forward. So, 
I agree. I just don't know if that's necessary. Once again, I don't care. I think Zegers will probably be the captain. That's eventually where it's going to go. So as far as the next season and the season after, it's just do you give it to a young player who's probably going to have to turn it over to Zegers, and do you really want to just – if you just give Zegers another year, he probably earns it in everybody's eyes anyways. Mm. Bauer okay. holds on to it four more years. Or do you just keep him after two years and go like, oh, Zegers, he's better at you than you. So thank you for everything you've done, but Zegers, that's great in interviews. You can't put the C on a guy with an ELC. Like, you can't put the captaincy on a guy who's on his entry-level Steve Eisenberg was 19, wasn't he? No, he couldn't have been because Gabe Landeskog at one point was the youngest captain. Who's it? It's Landeskog, Crosby, and McDavid. Yeah, probably. Right. Yeah, yeah. Have the, the recent guys yeah. you've got, and now Zegras. <laughs> 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 Just to piss Steven off. Do you guys know Jeremy Jones only nineteen years old? Not anymore. Nope. Not anymore. We can. We oh, can. We can reti- yeah, no, he's twenty. That. We can retire that. Nope. Not anymore. So. Happy birthday, kid. All right, Eddie. Sorry, you can start. <laughs> stop trying to hurt cats. No, I um I I agree with you with the the Terry thing. Um, not wanting him to have too much on his plate for next year. Um, at the end of, uh, you know, heading into what is a contract year for him, uh, for him next season. But how old is he? 23, 24? Yeah. The Duke can handle it. He'll be fine. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't think it's that he can't. It's, it is just a lot to, and it's against you. He's not the captain. So I understand <laughs> it's not as much responsibility. You're just part of the leadership group, but it, it does it does change the dynamic of your routine in the locker room, I think, of what you have to do, what you're expected to do. And maybe he does that now, and maybe he's part of that now, and we don't even know that. Right. And But it, it in theory, it does put more responsibility on his plate when he's already going to have a lot to deal with to repeat what he's done this year without Ryan Getzlaff, who what a lot of people believe was – you know the key to his success early on. He's proven that he can do it without him, so that that's not mm-hmm. a worry. But it is a lot to go into next season. That listen, this is a contract year. You had an amazing year. Right now, he's at thirty-three goals. He's the leading scorer on the team. You got to back that up again. Otherwise, people are going to wonder if you're for real or not. Like you, you're not a you know tenth overall pick where this was this was expected, right? So the, there is a lot of still skepticism from a lot of people, despite this being an excellent year, like and and him having the underlying numbers to back it up. Like there's already going to be a lot of pressure on him to do this again next year on what could arguably be a worse team than what the Ducks have. Arguably, been. what the fuck do you mean? Arguably, well, we don't know what kind of moves. We have no up. idea what's going to happen. No, yeah. a, with the draft, B with guys, the offseason. Let me ask it this way: right. Do you guys think? They finish higher in the standings next yes. year than this year. I I, I don't know. Oh, I, it, that's fucking insane to me. They're gonna. I, I. So who who do they have to beat? Phoenix or sorry Arizona and Seattle, and then know. Kings or San Jose. To to finish tenth in the whole league again, like tenth from the bottom. Well, you mean you mean the league or the division? No, the league. Like I think like right now they're oh, yeah, going to be, be in the top. They'll be in the you know that nine to twelve range at best. The eleventh worst team in the league right now in points percentage. I, next year, I expect them to be in the bottom five. There's expect, nothing... Did you expect them to be in the bottom five this year? Yes. 
Smoking yeah, shit. like let, let's I, I let's look at the teams. Had them to be one of the three or four worst teams in the league this year. <laughs> the, the teams that are worse. I was wrong, but like year. I 100 percent expected. Like that. I, I just uh, uh, Ottawa. I, I think they're gonna finish right French, in that mix. Like I, I think they will finish around bottom ten, between bottom five and bottom ten. That that's where I think they'll finish next year. Slight either slightly worse or slightly better than they are this year, and a if lot of that. If this team does not change, yes, yeah, I have a, a call me an optimist here, but I have a distinct feeling that he doesn't want to take three first rounds, three second rounds this year, three first rounds next year, three second rounds next year. We have a pool of not only draft picks but prospects. We don't need prospects. We need guys that are in our you know age group that are going to help that window. When you flip most of these picks for things that are going to help us within not necessarily this season, but you know the, the upcoming season, but within the next season or two, I just can't imagine he just sits there and goes like, "I have all the draft picks. I'm going to be so good way down the road." It's it's just impossible. I just can't I'm, not I'm not. I'm not even necessarily saying that though. I just. I, I just. But you don't like, think he can add anything to the team that is currently here that is going to make them better next year? You think they're going to be worse next year than they are this year? Yeah, I do because that I that doesn't make any sense to me. He's got all these draft picks to get more because talent he's going to draft a couple of players. He's probably going to package some of them to move around. But here's the other thing, Jay. He can <sighs> use draft draft picks to trade for other draft picks. He could just move up in the draft. That that's it. Like it doesn't change anything on the timeline other than he just moves up. So he's also said he didn't want to do that. so many trades. <laughs> when did he say that? He said that he's like, we're not just going to use, we're going to use these picks to get more guys that are in the window, yeah, in the age group, also that. are further along in their career. Yeah, but that tells you, me twenty four. They're not two years. trades away from making the playoffs. No, I, I don't think we're. I don't think no, we're saying they're that, that they're nowhere near the playoffs right now. They're just so not going to be as bad that, as they are this year. I don't see how they're not going to be bottom five next year. I don't, right see, now, if they I go in with this roster, if they go in with this roster as is. I think you are right to say that they will be worse because they are going in without Lindholm. They are going in without Raquel. They are going in without Manson. There are no immediate replacements for those guys. If they go in with the roster they have, it no is, D-Lo. Yeah, no, no, no Deloria. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's fair to say there's a reasonable chance they will be worse. I don't think they will go in with the exact same roster because they have cap space. They actually just need to fill to hit the cap floor because they're going to have like $41 million in cap space. So whether they use that on, you know, they're not, I doubt they're bringing in a Johnny Gaudreau or Philip Forsberg. I'm sorry, but they're still going to bring in legitimate players to help this team. They are potentially going to be in on guys like Jacob Chikrin and others to bring in. I'm saying that it's not, unrealistic to say they could be better next year because of the potential moves that happened this offseason. But there is a chance it goes completely the other way because we've talked about a John Gibson trade in the past. If he gets moved in the offseason, there's absolutely no chance they are better next year than they are this year if they have no John Gibson. I mean, tonight is case in point of what John Gibson was able to drag a point out for the Ducks and some of the stuff he's done this year. I know he hasn't been exceptional all year, but you take him out of the equation, the Ducks are probably a bottom five team this year. Just based on their hot start this year, they would have been bad all year without John Trade Gibson. Him. So He's over 25. So it, it, I think right now if they go in, you know, it, it's very close. They're going to be next year in that bottom bottom 10 Bottom 11 range as is. I think depending on the moves they make, there's a there's a chance to move either further up or further down that list, uh, but not by much. I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. I don't think 
Um, they're going to be a, a bottom five team unless they completely decimate this in the offseason and don't add anything significant. Uh, I don't think a lot of the teams that are in that bottom five range are going to be much better next year when you look at Arizona and Montreal and a few others. I mean, Montreal, maybe if they get Carey Price back, but that might not even happen. Seattle is not going to be much better next year. I don't think Matty Beniers immediately makes them better than the Ducks. Uh, and that's all they're adding at that point. So it is it is tough. Yes, they could be in that mix. I don't think you're wrong to say that, Stephen. But there is so much that could happen this offseason that could tilt that either way. I don't even remember. what. what how did we even get into this conversation? I, 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 I understand. <laughs> I don't remember what matter. brought this up. Um, like, I, I understand what you guys are saying. But, like, again, the thing for me is, is, like, I don't think they're, you know, two trades and two free agents away from being a playoff. Agents right now is not that good. Playoff team. Wait a minute. We just didn't say the last bottom six teams. That's all I'm saying. They finished worse than this year. Right. But here, what I'm saying is, is like, you're talking, you guys are talking about adding in their window, which is 22, 23 year old players, right? Who trades away 22 and 23 year old players? That's the problem. They need to Power get issues. So, yes, but like teams will go out of their way not to trade the 23 year old guy. Like, Chickering's available because he's in Phoenix, which is just such a shitty run organization. Like, all the fucking arena shit, whatever, don't care. And that's the only reason Chickering is available. Because he should be Charlie McAvoy level untouchable for that thing, for that organization. But they're so incompetent, the best value they can get out of him is to send him away. And that's insane. There aren't going to be certain players. Like, maybe he goes out and he swings a trade for, say, Maddie Kachuk. That that moves everything forward. I'm line's concerned. Maybe he can go out and get you know make make a trade for a 26, 27 year old guy. But like next year, your two oldest defensemen are going to be Shattenkirk and Fowler, and then after that, you're looking at you know five foot ten Jamie Treesdale. You're looking at you know what six two, six three Simon Lewa, who's a third pair guy. Schuster, and, uh, maybe, but Schuster's <laughs> a free agent, so you know. Well, Patty Verbeek picked him up. He loves him. No, I, 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 there's 100% something to that. I'm not disagreeing, right? But then the best-case scenario is next year Hellison is ready and he plays a meaningful role. He's still going to be on his fir- the first year of his contract. Next year will be, you know what I mean, whatever year he ends up in the pros, that's going to be his fucking rookie year. Like, it's not stupid, I know. But, like, I just don't see a way in which this team... Like, to me, it is much easier to see this team moving backwards and a lot of the teams behind them moving forwards. Yeah, I, I don't think that's wrong. I, I, I definitely don't think it. Like, I think there are teams that are behind them right now that uh, have a well, better. Well, like, would probably be. Yeah, New Jersey, I think, is a team that can easily take steps forward um, above yep. the Ducks next year. Um, I, I just, as well, though, I, I don't think it's impossible. Kate is yeah. apparently a hard trophy winner. I, I don't now, think it's so impossible for the Ducks to take steps forward next year. Um, I, I don't like, don't get me wrong. I don't think playoffs are anywhere within the realm of possibility for next year. I don't think it's impossible that they go out and make a couple acquisitions. I'm not talking like headlining players. They go out and get, you know, a, a top nine forward who can fill a hole for them. Mason McTavish comes in and has a pretty good rookie year. You know, <laughs> we're saying like 40, 45 points and looks good. You've got some other young players. Perot maybe steps in and can have. Hey, real quick, uh, yeah. real quick. I'm not even. I'm not trying to make you like. I'm not trying to say fill the gap right now. I'm just asking for a comparable kind of guy, like ignoring availability and all that shit. When you say a top nine player, what do you mean? Do you mean go out and get like another Henrique level player, 
do you think you get somebody a little bit better? Well, than we're, we're talking I'm, like I definitely think Ken Rake's a, a top nine. I think he's he's top six. I, I'm talking right? like the I don't the, think the so. fact that they've looked to bring Dadanov in and a guy like that who <laughs> yeah okay the, I'm, sure something comparable the to swung that. and miss on that one which is their some th- that type of player a, a guy who can have a okay. scoring impact that they were essentially bringing in to replace Ricard Raquel. I I don't know if they do it. I, I think that's what they would be looking to do in free agency, somebody on the back end to shore up a little bit of the depth there because we haven't seen some progress from some of these guys and we're not seeing Thrun. We're not, uh, we might not see Jackson Lacombe. Um, you know, Olin Zellweger is likely going to spend the night, another year in junior beyond him just wowing at camp and showing he's ready for the National Hockey League, which I, I despite the excellent season he had, I, I don't think that's going to be the case. So I think that that's something they do too. Again, it's not going to be a marquee name, but I, I think they can get better that way. And, and I have trust in Verbeek to go out and get that guy. But yeah, they might not. But I, I, I just think there, as much as there is a possibility for them to fall, and other teams to get better. I think there is just as good an opportunity for things to go their way and for you know younger players to step into the lineup and have an impact that just keeps them on par with where they were this year. I don't think it's impossible for that to be the case. I think it's just as possible for them to fall as it is for things to work out and young players to step into the lineup and prove they're ready. We, we saw from the small nine-game sample size we had from Mason McTavish, that physically he was ready to be in the National mm-hmm. Hockey League, and it was just about you know getting confidence and you know the offense to translate. And he's proven already there, there's no need for him to go back to the junior level next year at all. He's completely dominated mm-hmm. it in the 27 games he's played uh, this year. So he is going to be with the Ducks next year, and all things point to him having a very good season and being a potential dark horse for the Calder Trophy next year. And even if he isn't, like, we're like 40, 45 points is essentially the same production you're getting from a guy like Ryan Getzlaff this year in the lineup, right? So it, it it's not impossible for them to replace the production they had from the guys that they lost. Um, it's going to be hard, but yeah. I think defense is where I'm the most worried. Yeah, I could see that. I understand that. Like, I guess I'd be a little worried about it too. But uh, you know, we got to think too. Also, we've, we've missed Max Jones all season. That's another guy who's going to instantly add into your top sure. six. So, so put in there, and it's like it's not necessarily as bleak as it's it's necessarily been. If you don't expect your Silverbergs to be what you would hope he would be, but he hasn't really been for the last three years. And uh, you know, if there's some way to move on from him or add in that other guy, then you're starting to get your your Terry. Your Milano's, your Max Jones, because you start getting all these players in. I just can't see. Yeah, we lose Getzloff. Get it? Yeah, we lost Raquel, but Raquel really wasn't producing nearly. Would want to pay somebody at that? We might be able to find a, a you know a, a agent in that realm. So I just, I just think that our offense can sustain itself. Our defense can get bolstered and our goaltending in my opinion is still a solid goaltending that will not you know become worse come next season so i just i can't see us regressing minus injuries if you take injuries into account then we're, we're everyone's uh, fucked but right, we, we <laughs> i mean yeah we we, we gotta we, we gotta yeah, move put on that little, uh, we, we, got, we gotta move on because we have a whole dallas Aikens <laughs> conversation to have um I'm going to ask this question. Fire, I, I feel on. like this Next. this question, this is the, to wrap the Get Slap thing up. We, I'm going to preface this. We could probably talk this question specifically for 20 minutes. I feel like we're all potentially could agree on it. I'm going to 
we're going to try and cap this at five minutes is the answer to this. No, uh, let's do this. When you're going to ask the question, we'll get right. a short oh, answer. Yeah, here we go. And, and then eight, we'll do this 12, episode. This right. So now, all right, we got five minutes. Is now. Ryan Getzlaff the Ducks' greatest player of all time? Because that, that question stirred a lot of controversy on Twitter, as we all know. Yes. For me, it's a yes. I gotta lean yes. Yeah, uh, I, I. But it's 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 slim. It is. Like, who, I mean, it's it's, it's not like with? oh yeah for sure. It's it's, ta- it's, it's him, it's, Tamu, yes, him, Paul, and Tamu's right there, and Paul, and it is it is razor thin on most of those things. Mostly, Paul Korea was the only reason that a I got into hockey, b I got into the Ducks, uh, that put the uh, face on the franchise. Tamu Solani coming over, enigmatic. That could just just you love the dude, whether he was on your team or, or he did a hockey game that was like no other and was the face of, in my opinion, face of a franchise for well over a decade where some of those guys left and went somewhere all 17 seasons of his career. That's an amazing thing. And I don't think you can ever diminish that. And someone who puts that much dedication into it should be on your re- Mount Rushmore of Ducks players. Yep. But you got it. Yep. No, he he, <laughs> he has a slim uh, margin ahead of Tamu. Uh, so it's gets laughed Tamu Paul for me. Um, get, gets laughed though, like there's for all the reasons that Jay said with the sense of spending 17 years with one team didn't leave, holds pretty much every franchise record you could ask for. You know, games played, points, uh, assists. Like he is the face of the franchise. He will be. Any you, I know you can ask a lot of people. You know, who do you think of when you hear the Anaheim Ducks? And there will still be people who say Tamu and Paul. Because you know you grew up watching those guys, and those are the guys you remember. I think the majority of people you ask, I know it's a generational thing, of course, but you're gonna say Ryan Getzlaff. Like he is the face of this franchise, and I think when you when you stay with an organization as long as he did, the impact that you have on and off the ice with this organization, and then you look at just the records he holds with within this team, within this franchise, like he has to be for me the no doubt greatest of all time you can make an argument for Tamu, and i'll listen you can make an argument for paul and i'll listen but at the, at the end of the day everything that ryan gets life has done everything that he's achieved with this or with this organization it makes him the ducks greatest player of all time does that mean he was a better player than Tamu or paul no but he is the ducks greatest player of all time he had the greatest impact on this franchise than any of those guys Yeah, I mean, look, like, I think, you know, I think you can make a very easy case that Paul Curry is the most important player uh, in the history of this team. Uh, Like Jay said, there's an entire generation of people who became hockey fans in Southern California because of Paul Correa, you know. He, again, just the way that it works out, he is, you know, Paul Correa and Tamu Solani are the Gretzky and... Uh, Robitaille of Orange County. You know what I mean? As far as like guys who just like made it matter here in a way that it didn't before. And, you know, that's incredibly special. And they don't get Team Solani if they do Korea. And so I think, you know, what Paul Korea meant in helping to like establish this, this organization, leading him to a Stanley Cup final, um, having an iconic moment. Like, yeah, man, he's, like I said, probably the most important player in, in the franchise's history as far as what he means. But for me, greatest is also success. A successful era for this team. He's been with the team, and this isn't necessarily like his, 
there's a degree to which this is his volition and not. But like, he has been on this team for over 50% of the years that this team has existed. You know what I mean? Like, he just means something. He was the number one producer. There's the Perry moment, and there's, you know, Solani and McDonald, and also care like I, I you know what i mean like there are a ton of players who are part of that roster that because of the roles they built didn't put up the points but like forgets he just to like step up be that guy at you know 22 23 years old like is incredible um his heart stuff is kind of a little bit of bad luck just because of some of the other world class players like two of the eight best of all time play at the same time as ryan gets you know what i mean like that's yeah. just that just happens the 2003 draft is literally the best draft of all time. Right. and then, But you also then have, you have 05, right? Where, or 05, 06 or whatever, where you've got Crosby and... Bobby um, Ryan. Bobby Ryan in that draft. But, like, yeah. but so you've got Crosby and um, Ovechkin also. Like, again, two of the eight of all time. And they play their entire career over yours. Like, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, so, uh, you know, but... Gets off what he's meant to this franchise and the amount of success, you know, again, like there have been failings. Like I'll never forget being at the game seven, they lost to Detroit um, at home that started their run of losing game sevens. Um, you know, like I watched him have a meltdown on the ice from the nosebleeds. Like I was there. I watched Sheldon Story lose his shit. I watched Perry lose his shit. I watched get lose his shit. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like they're not handling this well. <laughs> They got their asses kicked by a veteran Red team. Like, you know, again, like a franchise player. Like, not in a talent way, but in a meaning way. He was a franchise player. He is a pillar of this franchise in a way that very, very few people or players have the opportunity to make an impact in franchises. And for me, you know, yeah. that's that's yeah. it. That's the game. I think, I think we're all on the same page. Yeah, yeah. Just, to put, just to put a cap. I'm from the Korea Salani age where like Korea was the reason I got into hockey and all that stuff. So I, I don't have any diminished respect for what he did and how excited I was to watch him play and how he, he, you know, helped the franchise out. But in my opinion, as much as I loved Korea, my number nine, that's what I've always worn if I was not a goalie. Um, and Tamu Salani, and I love it. Getzloff's just, he's just that much better. Just that. So... You know, so I'm from that generation, but I absolutely respect exactly everything Getzlaff's yeah. done. I think you, I think yeah. you can say that Getzlaff is the greatest duck of all time, and it doesn't diminish the impact that Tame and Paul had no. on this franchise. Like there is an obvious, clear impact on what they did in the early stages of this uh, organization to put the team on the map. Um, and you know, a case in point, myself and not living in the area and becoming a fan of the team is because of the impact that Paul Korea and Tame Solani had on the organization and, and being able to foster fans from outside the area and outside the fan base. So they, they've had an important impact um, on my you know fandom and watching the team and you know, them being my favorite players growing up. But there is just something to say about the sustained success and longevity of, of, uh, of the impact that Ryan Getz life has had on the organization. But we could probably, t- we could talk right. hours on that. We, we have to, yep. uh, yep. 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 what Jason, what is there any players that you think about from before the Getsy area kind of started that you think are forgotten as far as like meaning to the franchise? Stanislaw Chistov, uh, McKinkoff. Yep, I think, I think he's a, he's a, he's a big one. Um, not Ruslan Soleil. No, 
No, not so that's my guy. That I was that, yeah, like, that's... Know what? Terry Yake, Bob Corkum. <laughs> I mean, Todd Ewing. I mean, the, the list goes on and on, but I'm not a coach, so I, you know, I, I, I don't know what I do. But no, but for real, like for because for me, it's Ruslan Soleil. Like, I really do think there's a legitimate argument that Ruslan Soleil should have his jersey retired. Like, I, I, I think there's a genuine argument for that. I get that it's a little fringy, but <laughs> for fringy. me, he was he was a huge part of the thing. You know what I mean? He had that uh, the late game bomb. I think it was against Detroit. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, his moments, and, and he was just a bomb. Man, this is like, I mean, is Beauchemin, with Beauchemin being one of your things? Because Beauchemin won a cup. He's come back a couple times. He, he did a lot of stuff. It'd be, it'd be hard to... I don't know like Soleil, and I get it, but it's... Yeah. If we ever uh, if we ever actually do that Ring of Honor episode, this is, these are the names that we're going to get to talk about. Yeah, we have so, to do that. We, we have to do that this summer, dude. We, uh, yeah, Sean yeah. Hill. Perfect time to do it when we uh, when we have much to talk about. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to get to this because we can't we can't put this one off, and we're already past an hour. Uh, uh, well, we got we got to we got to move it. <laughs> the, the Ducks picked up the fourth year option in Dallas Aikens' contract, meaning he'll be back next year. So all the speculation we had about whether he'll return and whether Pat Verbeek would look for another coach next season that's all been squashed. So he will be back one hundred percent to coach the Ducks next year. Uh, what what are your guys' thoughts? On this, I know there's been a lot of said, and I think there's there's a clear, obvious two sides to the Dallas Aiken situation. There's either a lot of people who think he doesn't get enough credit for the success that the Ducks have had, and then there's just the people that just hate him. <laughs> I think he's one of the main contributors to how bad the Ducks have been. How do you guys feel about uh, him coming back next year, and where do you kind of land on on that side of the argument? I'm guessing it's just a thing that they're going to. Pepperveek's going to give him, you know, a year to let, let's see what he actually does. Let me get to know the dude and see how he operates. I, I think Pepperveek's like, listen, I'm in that transition of, I've got to figure out you know, who I'm going to get, who I'm going to put in here. How am I going to put my stamp on this? I'm working on the player side of things. I don't quite maybe have the coach side of things figured out yet. So, uh, I nothing in. I'm actually a little, little surprised to be honest. I figured like Dallas Akins. All right, thanks. We'll just. I've done my stamp on almost everything else. Let me bring in a coach I would want, and coach it the way I want to. So it's it's kind of surprising, I guess. But um, I don't hate it because it's not like oh, listen, we need to get to that next level next season. So we need a guy who's going to get us there. I think he's going to say, hey, let's let's call this one a wash again. Give you one more year, see what you can do. Yeah, I would say I'm. Uh, I was pretty surprised when it was announced. Excuse me. I uh, I fully expected him to be gone at the end of this year and to have it announced before the season ended. Excuse me. Uh, it definitely uh, caught me off guard, but I I, I I don't mind it. I I I you know I I get that there are legitimate criticisms against his lineup in the way that he's deployed his players and stuff like that I, I think those are things that you know if, if nothing else are pretty easy to address um you know i don't think any of us think that tactically he's he's an all-time great but like i don't really think that you need to be that in the nhl in this day and age i think the players are so skilled and they're so coached from such a young age that they know how to do it what you're trying to do is get the best versions out of them and i always think that like it's important 
have a system and explain that and all that stuff. But I also don't think that needs to be the strongest part of your, your, your tool belt as a coach. Um, you know, we've heard it over and over again. It's something that I, I think has been fairly obvious for the last couple of years is he's a great communicator. He's someone that I think as far as seeing his professionalism in an organization, um, and what to expect from young players is, you know what I mean? I think me and you, Eddie, have talked about this a couple of times. Like, I think he's a coach before the coach, but I don't think, like, him being here an extra year, to me, doesn't hurt anything. I, I don't see a, a situation in which that makes anything worse, especially because I fully expect him to be gone uh, by the start of the 23-24 season. And, again, like Jay said, like, he's probably not making a ton of money. And it's only for one more year. If they get to February and it's not working, they can pull the plug. Bring up Joel Bouchard, move, you know, uh, Stuthers or Ward. You know, they can promote them. Like, there's no shortage of people to fill that role on an interim basis if the Aiken situation doesn't work out next year. So, uh, you know, again, I don't think there's anything to lose. I don't expect the team, you know, to be altogether that competitive uh, in the standings next season. And... So to me, I'm I'm perfectly fine with having this guy around some of these kids, professional hockey players. You know, if that's something Getzloff mentioned in one of his interviews, I think with the NHL Network, just about how you know a lot of these kids didn't they never played an 80 game season, they didn't know what it meant, and so 45, 50 games in, all of a sudden it starts to hit you, and you're like, oh, I got to do this every night. Um, you know, I think having a guy like Aikens who's going to hold people accountable, who is expects a level of professionalism and and focus, like I think that's valuable. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm totally fine with it. I was definitely caught off guard. I didn't think it was going to be the case, but I don't think it makes anything worse. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not against it in, in, in the same sense as you are, where it doesn't really affect the Ducks that much negatively next year. It's, it, it might honestly be a positive thing to just keep him around and continue to. Uh, get the best out of some of the young players. I think that's one of the things he does well is allowing guys like Zegers and Terry to have the freedom to express express themselves and be the players that I think they want to be and put them in the best position to succeed. Um, it's not a negative to have him there next year. Um, I, I think you know the argument that should he have lost his job, does he deserve to come back? I think that, that has some merit behind it. I think that, that is valid. I think you know, if he was in any other situation, or even in this one, like if he had, if we had got announced that he was fired and wasn't coming back next year, I don't think any of us would have been surprised um, that they were moving on from him. But at the same point, like it is also understandable that he is going to come back. They haven't re-signed him; they've just uh, used, you know, extent accepted the offer or um, whatever it's called. I can't even, what am I saying? They picked up the option mm-hmm. uh, in his contract for the, the fourth year. So it's, again, it's not like it was a contract extension or anything like that. They just said, listen, you have this option in your contract. We think the way the timing is with this team, it just makes sense to bring you back next year. Pat Verbeek gets a full year to look at Dallas Akins as a head coach with him behind the helm. And uh, then you can make a decision there. And like you said, Stephen, you don't have to wait to the end of the year next year if things aren't going well. If it really starts taking a nosedive, you can decide to mm-hmm. move on from things as, as basically as early as, we, as you want, right? Uh, and make mm-hmm. that, that either that internal interim move until the end of the year uh, or until you have a candidate that you feel is available that is the best fit for this organization's future. So I I think it's um, it's a smart move for Verbeek to to I don't want to say push this off because I don't think that's fully what he's doing. 
But there is something to be said okay. about that to now go into, you know, the first draft as the general manager of an organization, a very important draft for the Ducks where they have a lot of assets and a potential to go out and acquire some, some marquee players and move some marquee players out. Uh, that Now that's the only focus for Verbeek. He doesn't have to worry about his coaching staff. He can have a full season to analyze that next year and pri- prioritize that decision when he has, you know, the time to prioritize that, if, if that makes a lot of sense. I know that's his job to be able to handle this, but, um, but that, yeah, I mean, part of, you know, part of doing your job is prioritizing and ordering. Yeah. Right. Like that's part of it is making sure you're putting things to be done in an order that makes the most sense for you logically. And to your point, to be just, just cold hearted, cynical about it it's like you said it allows him to push the decision to move on and and to keep his powder dry like some that uh sean mackley talks about a lot that i i you know i think is very smart it's like that first firing means something for a general manager that first time you change the coach on somebody on a team and stuff like that right and especially for a new general manager he can have a guy who is at least competent respectable in that role and should it get to a point next year or going into next summer that he thinks change needs to be made, he can do that. He's not rushing anything because now what you don't want, right, is to fire, basically fire or not extend Eakins this year, bring in one guy, think he's going to be your guy for five years, and then have to move on again in two years. It's much easier to give yourself that extra year. Maybe Aikens improves. Maybe we start to see some, you know, some changes to him. Like I said, the way he's utilizing lineups, utilizing deployment, things like that. But it also gives these players another year to get better. It gives Verbeek another year to see what he has and to see what kind of coach that he wants to bring in. Um, so, you know, I just think that um, it just from a purely cynical point of view, it is the most pragmatic uh, choice because he doesn't take anything off the table. Everything is still available to him. Two, two last thoughts I had on it. One, you keep Eakins for the next year, especially during the offseason, because you're going to probably rely on him to tell you who is worth keeping, who needs to improve in what way, that coach has not only seen most of these guys come up from AHL to NHL, but he's been there for the last three years at the NHL level. He knows this is this is what we have. This is probably what we need. So he might you actually use Aikens as a in on like, hey, what do you think is going to make this team a little bit better? Can we do it this way? Second reason you maybe keep him for one more year is not that you fire him, but you put him maybe back down to the AHL. We had so much success at bringing up a lot of these players that after this year get him back in there maybe bring the the guy who's the head coach there if you want to or bring in your own guy after this year so not necessarily to just cut ties fire him you're gone from the organization you're an ahl coach and you're a great ahl coach let's keep you there but in the meantime let's kind of figure out what we can do to make this team better and i can use your input since you've been here longer than i have yeah, no. another look, another angle, another weird one. No, one hundred percent. I definitely think you're right. You know, especially like we talked about earlier with Getzloff and the transition, having another guy that you know you can kind of have some use to have some structure and some some stability uh, is is super valuable. So yeah, no, I I, I think so. I mean. 
Listen, we were before this news got announced. Our whole plan for today was good, for this uh, Aikens topic was to talk about his potential replacement at the end of this season. So, <laughs> so if you were looking forward to that, unfortunately, that idea had to obviously get scrapped for for good reason. It'll be there uh, someday. But yeah, yeah. Uh, at some point next year, uh, whenever he inevitably gets fired, whether it's middle of the season or at the end of the year, uh, we'll be back on that topic talking about his replacements uh, and who could potentially take over for the Ducks. But uh, yeah. In the meantime, I think it is again you know, reiterating what a lot of what we've already said. I think it it, it is a smart move for Verbeek to bring him back and have a full year to kind of analyze that, or at least head into a season with that, and having some familiar faces like McTavish come back and know what kind of coach that uh, you know know the coach that they're going to be working with. You had a small little nine game stint with him. Obviously, it's, it's probably kept in touch throughout the season and have some of these these rookies that have worked with him, either whether it be in San Diego. Uh, or in Anaheim for a short stint, uh, it, it is an easier transition, I think, for them to come in and under the same same coach and know what to expect, right? I, I think that that's important to have that in place going into next season, and then you can make that change when you think it uh, when you think it's right for the organization and the right guys out there to replace them. So we'll see. Uh, I know it's disappointing for a lot of people for for him to be back, but I. I, 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 I don't think he's going to grow up. Yeah, I, uh, it's not an extension. Listen, so that if that's the silver yeah, lining here, it's it's not an extension. It's a uh, it's a one year option, and there's a, there's still a good chance he's gone. Uh, all right, to wrap up, let's get to our predictions for the last two games this week. We got uh, Tampa on the road on Thursday, at home Loss. at home versus Columbus on Sunday. So you both both Loss. have lost against Tampa. Yeah, I I think that's uh, that's a given. Tampa on the road is tough. T- T- Tampa's a loss. Um, uh, we're home. Home against Columbus on Sunday. Uh, is Columbus playing back-to-backs? I'm sure you wouldn't know offhand. Um, I'll just say if they're not playing back-to-backs and they're the first one. Columbus ones, plays in Columbus Anaheim. Or sorry, they play in L.A. Saturday, Anaheim Sunday. So they are coming off as a back-to-back. Back-to-backs. Well, we'll lose that too. <laughs> Columbus on the back-to-back, like yeah, it's it's a weird thing. If you go and you play one game, and then you go immediately, and you don't have to go that far as far as travel yeah. goes, you're kind of already in game True. mode. And the Ducks are going off of a road trip, coming back home. Try, I I, I can see a Columbus uh, smackdown. Stephen, what do you got? Lost in lost in Tampa, and then what about Sunday? Uh, I think they'll. I think they'll probably win. I think they'll lose in overtime to Tampa, and I think that they will win against Columbus. Then Tampa because... just win like seven one or something today or something. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. really good. And <laughs> Anaheim is gonna make sure to get all of these stupid points and really piss me off. But also make me look smarter next year when they finish lower in standings. Oh, there you go. You either look stupid or smarter, I guess. This game against Columbus <laughs> uh, is probably the most winnable game of the remaining remaining games two? of the season. Yeah, <laughs> because it's uh, no, well, yeah, of the two, a hundred percent. But uh, for the rest of the year, because you've got Tampa on the road, then Columbus, you've got a home and home with LA um, the week after that Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Saturday games. Weird home and home. Uh, you've got uh, St. Louis the Sunday, and then the final two games of the season are on the road, San Jose and Dallas. I would say Columbus is probably the most winnable game. Maybe you can put San Jose in that uh, 
in that field as well. But playing on the road in San Jose, whatever the whatever the last game Gesloff plays is probably the most winnable. In my St. Opinion. Louis at home, uh, Sunday the twenty fifth. Yeah, that's I would say that yeah. that could just be a really desperate game for St. Louis, depending on where they are in the standing. So. Uh, all, all those other teams except for San Jose, the two L.A. games, St. Louis and Dallas, are all going to be fighting for playoff spots, so that's going to be uh, some tough games to watch. Spoiler! Yeah. Spoiler! Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> so we we both we all have them losing to Tampa and uh, maybe winning against the uh, – <laughs> <laughs> That's all we can hope for, maybe winning. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're super optimistic. But seven games to go in the regular season, so uh, at the very least two regular shows left. Uh, two more weeks yeah. of hockey left. They've all been so regular. Yeah, to yeah so hopefully yeah. coming up uh, up this weekend, obviously with the Sunday game, that might be a Monday show. And then the following week, we'll wrap up the uh, the final games of the Ducks season and start looking forward to the draft. And we got some uh, some prospect review shows we want to get into, Some obviously some draft preview shows. So we'll dive back into that. And you know what? Maybe Maybe Pat comes back to the show too. You never know. Sorry, who? <laughs> I don't know. Is there a better chance that the Ducks are... Steven, I'm asking you this specifically. <laughs> is there a better chance it. the Ducks so are much. better next year than they are this year, or Pat comes on the show before the draft? Um, <laughs> oh, my God. I think a better bet is... They're going to make the playoffs Pat next year before that happens. Does Pat do 25% of the shows next season, or do the Ducks do better than they did last season? <laughs> That's 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 your money bet. That's uh, who's who's doing the Seth jersey on that one. The Seth Jones jersey on that one. Oh yeah, what's that bet? Uh, Where's that I, stand? I have. Uh, well, we have to wait for Norris votes. We gotta wait for we Norris gotta go votes. Back and look it. it comes yeah. down to Norris votes. And then there was yeah. was it there another? Yeah, one? it was. Like, uh, no, no, no. It was um, Ekman Larson and or something. <laughs> there was another Ekman. There was an Ekman Larson. Oh, uh, Ekman Larson's gonna finish over twenty minutes I think tonight. I think that I've already lost yeah. that one. So weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He lost that one the moment they traded. Yeah, I think his first game he played like twenty four minutes. <laughs> oh uh, Eddie, I love you to death, but you look like a fucking oh, Mark Agree. That was a tough one. Dork. I knew that I knew that one was gonna backfire. That was a tough one. But uh, uh I'm confident in my, At your my, my even with Lindholm in Boston, I'm confident uh, with my, my Seth Jones getting more Norris votes than, than Lindholm. But it's it's scary. Yeah, well now more. That means he has to get at least one. Yeah, I don't know. We gotta go back and we gotta go back and revisit the bet. I gotta go back to that episode. I don't think he's getting one, and I'm I'm probably pretty sure Lindholm's not getting one either. I mean, maybe he is now that he's in. That's Boston, the thing. But... That's what I'm scared about. You never know. Boston media is just gonna go, especially if they win the cup or something. <gasps> he's been so good since he came here. How did no one know about this guy? That's <laughs> fucking right. Dude. That's exactly. That's fucking right. <laughs> Let's go. All right. Well. Oh, Appreciate fun. everybody who came out uh, live for the show, obviously, as well. Anybody Thank anybody you, listening after the fact. Special guest, Jason. Yeah, Jason. Thank you. Jason returns. <laughs> you, you've, you know what? You've actually been on semi-frequently semi lately. Of the show. So. <laughs> Let us know what you think of Jason. If uh, the reception is good, maybe we'll have him back. I, I, there it is. Thank you. Have me on. I'm just doing that. <laughs> I'm glad I, I had you guys there. Thanks. <laughs> All right, we're gonna end it there. Thanks for coming out, guys, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week. I guess. Bye, everybody.